0: Everyone, welcome to the Pastor Replete Podcast. This is Dale Gugger. I'm coming to you hot off the presses with my brother here, Hans. <laughs> yes, I'm here too.
1: Good to see you, man. Yeah, we're... Uh, it's been a week since we've last talked, and I've missed you so much,
0: man. Um, that's a that's kind of you to say. I don't know how true it is, but it's kind of you to say you're in your. World. Uh,
1: it's not very true.
0: I figured so. I was. Gonna it's say, a little true. Little, little. It's true-ish. mild,
1: mildly true. Um, truthy. Ethan says ish all the time, all the time. He's like, uh, I was like, how was it? Good? And he's like, ish. <laughs> so, it's just always ish. I don't kids, know. Kids these days, they,
0: they can't just be good or bad. They're only goodish or bad. They can't commit to anything. That's what I. Uh, that's right. So I said, that's what this podcast is going to be about. Not really, Hans, you're coming up on your dissertation defense. How you feel about yes, it? Yes,
1: I am. Um, in just a couple of weeks, I should be done with that thing, and um, my advisor was very gracious to be like, "Okay, here's what you need to be ready for. Ten minute overview. be ready to answer questions. Don't get defensive. Write down notes of adjustment they want you to make. Uh, if they push back. Graciously respond, hold your ground, and explain why you did things the way that you did them, you'll do fine.
0: So they don't want so you to it was be defensive in a defense. I, need it.
1: <laughs> I guess that's kind of true. Makes they little don't want sense me to, to me. get defensive. <laughs> I know. That's because words are so, uh, so important for you.
0: Well, I, uh, we wish you, um, many happy uh, returns to your defense Hans may you be um, uh, may you not take offense while you are defending and not be defensive you've got to walk that middle road and that road itself they say that's actually probably the hardest part of getting a phd is walking that middle road no
1: I yeah know. i would agree i <laughs> yeah. yeah. i guess i guess that's that makes a ton of sense thanks a lot for sharing that this no is problem. Uh, All right, everybody. See you it's, later. It's...
0: Thanks for joining us.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, hey, Dale, how did you feel? You know, we've we've had a little bit of time since the last episode. Uh, just curious, how you feel it went? Did we do okay?
0: I liked the last episode quite a bit, on my own personal opinion. Now, I'm learning the older I get, the less correlation my personal opinion has to truth. Uh, so maybe that's a negative thing overall. My personal opinion, at least when it comes to subjective realities, uh uh my personal opinion was that I enjoyed last week's episode. I'd you know, I'd rank it I'd rank it in the top half of our podcast, maybe. Uh which is to Uh-oh. say
1: <laughs> Okay, so and with with thirty seven or ish episodes, yeah. then I guess we're you know, it's in it's in the top fifteen to eighteen things ish. <laughs>
0: It's somewhere around there. So I, I think it's good. As a topic, I thought it was a great topic to hit. And I am um, I'm more interested, honestly, in this week's extension of that topic. In yours. Well, a little bit, you know. And I said, I said that because uh, most of our listeners are not pastors. So I think maybe the take that I will come from might be a little bit more inclusive than... Than-
1: oh, so you set this up to, to 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 really do me over? No, to make me I, look bad.
0: I don't think that at all. I think um, what you offered was a little bit. Oh, more I 100 of- <laughs> percent think what? it. Oh,
1: hold on, real quick. <clears throat>
0: I know this is an important,
1: uh, but I want to go ahead and tell a story. Asher made a book. He has a little booklet, and he's he needs it's it's really tiny. It's really like two inches by two inches, maybe even less. And he's telling a story through it. Um, and he's just writing these stories. It's like fourteen chapters, and every chapter is about two pages of this tiny little book and um and so he'll be like, <clears throat> "I was you know there was monsters in the house or whatever. I was scared half to death, mm-hmm. not literally, of course." <laughs> 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 And then he goes into this soccer arena, and there are snakes flying around playing soccer. And he was yeah. like, "Literally." <laughs> so, I was so proud of him for in his story using literally appropriately. Less well, the thing. Literally <laughs> is has been kind of
0: that's awesome because literally I think is it's one of those words that's been usurped in its meaning to actually mean figuratively. You know, people right. dis- like like really like. I woke up this morning my head was literally on fire and i say i know what you mean but that's not true but you're you're doing really well so Hans, back to the topic at hand well, I, not so not
1: so with asher asher's on his game right got, now uh, and maybe maybe i'll read i'll read it i need i need to read an excerpt from this book sometime and uh I brag on my kids cuz that's fun but anyways i'm sorry i cut you off it was just a funny story and an appropriate a, use of literally in a book i was reading
0: i like it i literally like a it a new book I literally like it. Okay, good.
1: Um, That's wonderful.
0: So you have you have the uh, you brought the hammer
1: tonight, if I understand uh, correctly. Well,
0: I don't want to say that. So, so but, well, I, sure. For the sake of uh, for the sake of listenership, yeah, I'm ready to I'm ready to really really rumble here. But um, in the all right, bring it on for, and this, hammer, for the hammer hammer. For bit. the sake of reality. So last week, Hans, you spoke about. Um, and we keep saying frustrations is the most natural word to say, but it, it, it definitely is too strong a word. But I'll still say it and then offer that caveat again. Um, it's not frustration sure. so much as just, you know, like, you know, quirks where we'd say if I could, I'm curious about that. So you did that for yeah. congregants from a pastoral perspective, looking out to your congregation where you'd say these things are kind of uh, irksome. So we're going to do the opposite of that this week, where I'm going to uh, offer up a few questions, a few irksome some questions to you, and and you offered a good caveat last week to start. I would do I will do the same here. Where I whereas I offer these questions, I don't want anyone to think that there is any kind of subtext that this is a uh, a frustration I have with my pastors, or even like or even that when I point out some of these foibles. That it means the people that are involved in these things, I, I consider, you know, um, anathema or anything like that. I, I think in a, in a spirit of light – Except for me, which I yes. appreciate. In a spirit of lighthearted engagement, these are just things that I think are kind of fun to poke fun at. And
1: uh, Well, you do your thing. So we're going to go one by one and you're going to poke fun at, at pastors and I'm going to respond. Sure. Uh,
0: defensively. In- but yes.
1: the appropriate level of defense in you, you, preparation for
0: my own defense. I think you can respond defensively in this case, because there's no uh snow holds barred here. Anyway, Hans, first question. First question. I'll ask the question, then I'm going to give a little bit of background to the question. The question is, Hans, how many equipping conferences does a pastor need to attend? And are these conferences... Really, just like an extension of of youth summer camps, but for adults and for pastors, and a, just basically a chance to take a mostly fun vacation. But it's just, but you get to call it like, you know, a useful part of ministry, a ministerial opportunity. And what I, when I say that, I say that thinking like um, we exist in an age that seems peculiar, peculiarly adept at training pastors as in a reform dish pastor of today's today's world can in a single year if they so chose attend a gospel coalition conference a nine marks conference a um an erlc conference guilty went to that one um what are a couple other ones Goodness. and flooded on the way back i know so i I'm pa- i paid my dues um <laughs> Would that everyone that attended such a conference have to pay materially for the T for conference? G,
1: you forgot T for yeah, G together, together for, for the gospel. gospel different That's than the gospel big, big coalition. Different than the gospel coalition. Yeah. But you Desiring see, all these God things. Conference that, for pastor.
0: But it, and, oh, there you go. And you see all these conferences that probably, honestly, to tell me if this is an unfair, exponential unfair characterization. Probably over... exponential
1: east and exponential west. You have to do both of those. Thank remember, you, you have to go thanks to Florida for... and to and to California.
0: So, so thanks for filling this out. So so but and and probably these conferences, <laughs> they share like eighty percent of the same speaker lineup, um or at least <laughs> yes, they do. you know with like you know of course the headliner being being the guy that's specific to that brand that organization. Um, but they'll all speak at each other's conferences. That's fine. And all they're all good charitable Christian friends. So the thing that I would say is it seems almost like we exist in an age right now in the church where we are really, really good, um, at, at, at lining these things up for pastors with like kind of just, uh, the congregation at large sort of, you know, it's not the world that they operate or participate in. give Mm -hmm. me your, give me your Mm -hmm. thing.
1: Uh Um, uh, okay, so for one, it just sounds like you're wicked jealous.
0: Sure, why not? Yeah, from a guy who's... No,
1: it doesn't really sound that
0: way. from a guy who. Well, I'll, I'll grant a little bit of that. From a guy whose job is literally to plan other people's conferences all year long. <laughs> I don't get to go to a lot of them because I'm busy thinking like, "How well, how many meeting rooms do you want at your conference?" You know, but um, but <laughs> so I'll I'll all right, all
1: right, I I I, I I I will. I'll I'll bite. I'll sure. bite. Um, yeah, I think that the conference scene is a big part, in particular, of North American evangelicalism. M- more than more than anything, I think it's like a North American evangelical thing, uh, where we have to pump these big names and people and ideas and topics on and on and on and on and on. Uh, and you'll find that these aren't, these aren't the conferences that are going on in the UK to the same degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a very American way of doing church life. And I hope, honestly, my, my, my take is I hope it's an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, I find, I do find value in gathering together and conferring um, there is something incredibly valuable, from my opinion, in pastors being able to get together with other pastors or other ministry leaders, and talking to them about what's going on at their church. Because there are a few contexts where you are able to have that conversation, and have it safely.
0: Sure. Um,
1: you know, think think of the scene in Saving Private Lion. Ryan, R- Private Lion. <laughs> that is an interesting <laughs> one. It's a children's uh, book. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Saving Private Ryan, where Tom Hanks goes. My complaints go up now. You know, like yeah. you're not going to hear what frustrates me with you. Other people hear it. Now, that's a pastor conference is a little sideways. I get it, but the idea being, where do you go with your thoughts, your questions, your concerns, your anxieties, your fears? Because if you go to the flock with some of those, it may not go well. So, in defense of the pastor, I think there's a great spot to be able to be together with other leaders and and do that. However, yeah. I think your concern is on the uh, the hyper marketing of it and the overuse. Mm-hmm. You know, so to your original question, how many of these do you need to go to, the answer is probably fewer than they need to. A lot of these conferences you can get online mm-hmm. and and stream live while it's going on for free or an incredibly reduced cost. You don't have to use the church's dollar to get somewhere. And so I would say if you're doing if you're traveling for continuing ed. Uh, which is that's what we'll call it to make ourselves sound corporate and cool <clears throat> I think you want to be sure that you are getting the home run mm-hmm. and I don't think the home run is the same conference over and over and over again so uh, I, I think back on the past year for me um, now I, I have done school I've gone to school which is a peculiar time in my in my ministry career um, other than that I did a tr- trip in February of 2017 to California, to for the particular purpose of networking together with other um, other ministries who pursue other churches that, that did ministry on college campuses. I think if you can find the sweet spot. Then, then that's very helpful. Rather than just going to these big conferences where you're going to hear guys say the same thing over and over and over again, Um, and you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. So, so yay, you know, I'm for yay. Like, why, you know, not, not the hooray, but like, yes, I'm in favor of pastors getting together and helping one another be better at what they do. Um, and I'm for particular places where you can do uh really good sharpening for your church. And I'm not for um, the overuse of church funds and church time to have fun hanging out in Orlando. Yeah, that's my that's my personal take. That's, um, that's fair. I and guess. I even it's funny because Andy Stanley who Andy Andy Stanley who who does this he was teaching. Uh, at a Catalyst conference or something like that, on either trust versus suspicion or on systems—I can't remember which one it was—and uh, he was like, you know, and so your pastor goes and speaks, and you know what that means—he gets to go collect an honorarium and play golf, and he—he he even made a joke about it. Which uh, I don't think he necessarily was saying for himself. I don't know who to, uh, for whom he was saying it, but it is kind of just going, "Oh yeah, you get to go somewhere and do something for fun, mm-hmm. uh, and and there's no cost to it." I, I don't see a ton of value in that. Now, here's what you can do, uh, and this is something that Kevin McKee, uh, senior, current senior pastor. I can't say that for much longer since I'm you know on my way out. Yeah. Uh, but when I would when I would go. Somewhere, I want to go to a conference. I remember the first one I wanted to go to, and I got so mad at him because he asked me this question Who's going with you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want anyone to go with me. I just kind of want to go by myself and enjoy this conference. Um, he's like, No, you got to bring somebody. And I brought Steve Elworth. He came with me, and uh, we went to it was a Design and God conference for pastors, one of the first things I ever did on staff. And, um, it's how I got to know Steve, yeah. and you know we are I was hanging out with him even today. We're great friends even now, so there's a lot of value there. But that question of who's going with you from the staff or from the flock that you can make this an experience about church life, then you can find a way to redeem whatever in, uh, environment you go to may make it beneficial, not just for you, but for your church. And if you can do that, I'm for it.
0: Cool. I hear you. I appreciate that. And I think uh, as you probably – I don't need to say too much about it, but you probably understand – if, I don't think any one of these conferences are bad things necessarily like a you know like if That's not
1: true. Well, so, in the pre, in the pre-call you said
0: these are all bad things <laughs> no, and I hate them. Yeah, I remember yeah. that specifically. Sorry, I said that. That, I, now you're now I you're, now you're it on me. No, so I you know like if someone if you were to be like, "Well, which one would you cut?" I would say, "Man, I don't know. I can't make that call." Like I I don't think I'm not going to say like cut gospel Coalition. is unnecessary. It's just it's just that it taken in in total, it feels like it feels excessive. Um and and there are a lot yes and And particularly when it's um when because you mentioned before like you don't uh as a pastor you don't like being put on an unnecessary pedestal when I feel like if only pastors Mm -hmm. are going to these conferences that is creating a pedestal that they get to sit on because they get to say I've I've been the one that's not not openly they're not saying I'm not saying like this but it's going to create that distance. When they are sure, but but when they I, are the mean, ones subject I mean, to it, yeah. do you have
1: do you ever go? Do you ever have continuing ad opportunities?
0: N- not really. Does your did, did, does your job ever give you extra training? Like occasionally, occasionally, but like it might be in the okay.
1: Well, then yeah. maybe maybe you're an
0: anomaly. But I, I think most people a, that a I lot, interact with do. do have opportunities. A lot
1: do. They they have opportunities to go and develop what they do. Yeah, and I think it's a. I mean, I don't think it's it's out of out of bounds to go do that sure um i think that i and and i don't think it creates distance but if you go to you know if you're going to multiple ones a year this is my opinion that can be a little intense yeah do you really need do you really need to go to that many or i would just go okay at some point in time you have to start taking vacation time for this mm-hmm. because you don't need to this is now beyond what we as a church would actually support you going to if you want to go to it great or you got to pick between this and between this and if you want to go to both you're taking your own time to do it we're not going to pay you to do it and you got to pay your way like that that would be fair i think yeah okay next one we're moving on. Smart churches have policies, okay. so you know they have they they actually deter tell you what you can and can't go to, or what how many days you could go and do that in any given calendar year. So sure. if they're on their game, then they've already thought through this and have good boundaries so that you don't take advantage of stuff.
0: All right, bring it on. Hit me up. Cool. Next. Next one. Next, next one. I've totally defused that bomb. Yeah, it's it's done. We solved that. You did all you. Uh, this next one's an interesting one for me, and and it's another one of these ones where I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it by saying. Uh, I can't point to any one situation of this as being a bad thing, but as the total excess of this to be a funny thing, at least at least funny, which is to say, what other jobs allow you to do your own job, and in this case we're talking about pastorate and preaching, and then repackage that job that you've done with a little bit of editing and tweaking into chapters, and then sell a book for it for yourself. Now, and I and before saying this, I know there are pastors that that do not like collect royalties on the books that they sell based off of like their ministerial teachings. And, but I'm also not going to say that it's wrong to, but at the same time, it seems like right. a, uh, it seems like a double dipping to me. Um, okay. To, uh, to basically, you know, have your job and then have your, your job that also helps for self aggrandizement at, at worst, if I were to characterize it in the worst way.
1: Sure. So I, as, you were, as you were having that conversation with me, I was definitely listening, and um, <laughs> what I, I – I, I leaned over to my bookshelf here to my left, and I grabbed some books. Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team, where he takes what he teaches and puts it into a book, and then he teaches the book. Uh, Jim Collins' Built to Last, which we all know Jim Collins from Built to Last, then Good to Great, and then whatever else he did because Good to Great had to change. So research turned it into a book. Uh, Ted Tripp shepherding a child's heart. Mm-hmm. Ted Tripp being a counselor who also turned what he did into a book, um, "Ethics for a Brave New World" by John and Paul Feinberg. This is one. If you if you're not if you're listening right now, I'm actually showing them to Dale. Yeah. So here are some professors who, who who teach theology and philosophy and systematic theology, whatever it might be, or biblical theology. Um, and they're coming up with ethics. Um, so here's an, an ethics book that likely came from their lectures. Uh, Investing Demystified. Investing Demystified is a book written by uh, a senior writer for the U.S. News and World Report who understands finance and wrote a book sure, on it. Sure. Um, oh, and here's one. Here's one. This is going to be the winner because Politico has been putting out a lot of articles about this guy as of late.
0: Dave Ramsey. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Dave Ramsey, who also has a multiple hours a week syndicated radio show, that is, I just read in this political article, political article, the third most popular syndicated radio show in the country. So, third most popular, Dave Ramsey's radio so show. If I can. So, so, all, so, what I want to say is before before you hate on 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 the pastorate doing yeah. that, yeah. which I get. Um, the idea of taking what you do and presenting it to people in a consumable way mm-hmm. is not. Not uncommon in in industries where teaching and training is a part of it. That was just me grabbing the books on yes. this shelf. Uh, you know, like like I, th- I think I think people who teach and train for a living, which I think the pastor is a part of, can also produce that in a way that other people can engage and learn from and there shouldn't be anything inherently wrong with it so what is your what's what's the bone that you have with the idea in and of itself because in all in all other places people would do this
0: so here's or many
1: other places a, a, all is a little, a, little, a little strong
0: okay a couple different a couple parsings of even some of the books that you held up um some of them are by uh academics whose job is your job is sure. your job as an academic so i will go just a little bit at a time your job as an academic is to produce work. Your 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 academic yeah. career is based off the the actual tangible work that you produce. Um, particularly, research academics are highly prized if they can actually turn out good research. Uh, Dave Ramsey, if we go to Dave Ram- Dave Ramsey, is himself a runaway success of a brand. Um, and I say I I speak like I don't I don't have any ill will towards Dave Ramsey whatsoever. Um, but Dave Ramsey. Uh, total money makeover. Everything he does is all part of his his cottage industry of branding out all of his materials and 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 marking out all of his materials for saving money. And he does a good job. So, um, uh, whereas, and then you've also got like uh, when you have authors banding together to take what they've learned, take what they've researched, and make books about it. That's also their job. I would just say my the caveat I have is, um, whereas a pastor. Basically, I would, I would have a couple red flags that I would say I would be a little bit of. W- okay, wary bring it on. Of. The red flags I'm wary of are, is the one I hit on, self-aggrandizement. Is this really a thing that needs to, you know, like we, we've had, even just in the evangelical world, I don't know how many books on marriage from, from evangelical leaders that, where I feel like, uh, that, that. Are, and marriages are still pretty cruddy. Well, So apparently, so do we need more books about them? Or perhaps oh, a, need to... Circuit. Or fewer? Yeah, well, I was going to say, wow. do but do people really... So I guess what I would say, maybe it's because I'm overly cynical. Do people really say, you know what? Does a pastor really say, you know what? I think perhaps my uh, view on marriage, like my, my take on marriage or my series on marriage will be... Uh, helpful in such a way as this other pastor's already produced series on merits and already written book will isn't, or is it viewed from the, this would be a decent way to, I don't know, affect or grow the brand. Uh, Or would a publisher look at this and say, this is a good way for us to make money. And I didn't even put the, I didn't even put the onus of the money making on the pastor. I put the onus on a publisher that says we could make some, we could turn a profit off this. And so basically Okay, I, okay. I, and I know that's a little bit uh a little bit anti capitalist of me, um, in that it's entirely within a publisher's right to do that. So a lot of these things I'm not talking about the ability to do that or the or the sense of doing that or the making sense of doing that. I'm talking about the cottage industry of lots of people being able to quickly turn around a teaching that they've done. And slap a label on it, and then just and then just now now they are an author more than they are a pastor. Um. So, all right. So I, I hear what you're saying. I like I, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll agree
1: to a degree. I'm not going to agree fully though, um, because I think it minimizes the varied giftednesses is, 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 is that exist in the pastorate itself. Some people are good writers. And I think good writers should write. Some people are bad writers, and they shouldn't write. Um, I don't – and we also so often don't know – you you preface this. We don't know if if an author's uh, – let's say a pastor who writes what actually happens with the royalties of that book. We don't know if that person has decided to live off the royalties and not take a salary from a church, which happens, or live off the church salary and not take the royalties from books, which mm-hmm. has also happened. We don't know if they're just making money hand over fist and don't really care. I know of another uh, place where this person uh, is a- almost like a contract employee with his church so that the content that he produces can be mass-produced and he can own it, which is where with intellectual property rights, if you produce things on church time, they belong to the church. And so he's changed that so that he can give that content out freely um, without recourse, uh, which I think is actually kind of wise in our in the current structure. So um, – I understand what you're saying. I think that if your idea is, man, this should be a book, then that's the problem. But the heart of it, I, you know, let's just go pure. Purely, I have something that people people say needs to be said broadly. Mm-hmm. I want to say that broadly. Um, can there be fewer books on ministry things? Probably. Uh, I feel like a dime a dozen. Um, and, and can there be better books, fewer and better? Probably. Uh, but if there's money to be made, I bet somebody's going to try and make it. Unfortunately, or yeah. fortunately, like you know, I, I I don't know, I don't know how to take that. Um, and and let's also just hold on to this. I you, I think your first, your first two critiques, more your second than your first, is dealing with an incredibly tiny sliver of the pastorate. Most most pastors are going to be unknown for life, and sure. so so even if even if you're gonna say you know how many of you guys have to do that most guys are going to go I don't do that I don't no one wants to read a book I'd write no one wants to no one wants to have anything to do with that I just faithfully shepherd my flock and you'll never hear from me and I'll die and I'll see you in heaven so it's a small group of people and um, you want to be sure that the like I, I don't like the, the the book tour that the pastors go yeah. on. I don't like the conferences necessarily that they put on like you know if that's the case they need to stop being, Pastors and be speakers and authors, and 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 make the trade, because you it's going to be hard to faithfully shepherd your people when you yeah. um are never there. That's, that's, I don't think that's always the case. I think yeah. I think you could go ahead.
0: I was well, I was going to say that that Hans right there, I think, is really the the crux of my heart towards it, which is to say, I think a, I think a pastoral role, a past a pastoral uh, leadership over a flock is a full-time job and so um uh and that's not to say historically there haven't been people that have done that and then done a ridiculous amount of other things um particularly you know a guy like Spurgeon who just seems to just like to have written books when he slept um you know that have done other been sure uh, but but uh, let let, let,
1: let me me say this it is is a full-time job it's a full-time job but I I look at a like my blog which gets almost no readers mm-hmm. and this podcast which gets just about the same amount of listeners as an extension of pastoral ministry mm-hmm. that I can actually have conversations about things that were written and things that were said here beyond you know and this is what this is 45 minutes of an evening that actually extends itself into conversations with the flock where people will text me and say I was listening to your episode thanks so much for sharing this or what do you think about that or I'm curious your views here and so I think I think it's okay to To look at multiple means of extending your pastoral reach toward people um, so long as you're not forsaking the shepherding of your flock, the care of your flock, um, and that you're using your gifts. Because not everybody is a bleeding heart pastor. They might be good teachers. They might be good writers. I remember John Piper even saying, it's always a hard decision for me to figure out if I should stay and write or if I should go to the hospital. And I've yeah. probably chosen wrong at different times over another. So that's always going to be a tension in in pastors and managing expectations and living faithfully in the gifts that God has given them is that the flavor is always different. Um, and you, you want to be sure the flock is appropriately cared for. And if you have that role in place, you need to do it. Um, and and golly, I just never profit off of the flock. That, that, that to me is a, is a danger uh, from the pit of hell. Like yeah, to, to profit off of the church – is an incredibly dangerous thing. So I would encourage any pastor to have really high boundaries and accountability with any monies that can be earned in any way other than if they're being paid by their church, other than from their church. It's, It's dangerous.
0: So that's it. I think, I think, uh, you, you offer some good counterpoints and then, and then balance out kind of with what my chief concern is, which is that, um, which is time away from the local church which is a pastor's i think chief responsibility is their local church if they're if that's where they are not to say that they, sure. not, to, not to say that they have yeah. to Yeah, all right no, hit me up not to say they have to be there for their life i'm not saying lifetime ministry i'm just saying you know like you know i'm not saying that just cuz you're leaving your church means that you're doing a terrible thing last one and i think is going to be the easiest one uh, and it's because it's 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 i think the first two are heavier hitting than this one but uh, the last one is pastors in the uh, while preaching using Uh, examples from their own life as positive examples or positive anecdotes for their sermon illustrations and this is just a pet peeve because Mm -hmm. i think i think it's already so coming from a guy who actually likes speaking in front of people it's uh very easy to to make yourself uh awesome if you if you know how to work a crowd and i think uh the tendency for pride is something that you have to combat at every level, uh, when, when preaching Mm -hmm. and, uh, to draw attention to yourself in that way is a, is a, is a silly thing. I'm almost, I know people on the, on the far extreme that would say like, you shouldn't ever use personal anecdotes in a sermon and I'm not there, but if I had to lean one way or the other, I'd lean closer to that than using positive personal anecdotes about yourself in a sermon.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so I do have a few thoughts here, and I'll and I'll try to make them brief. But this is a good one, and I actually could be like a whole preaching podcast to me. But um, the the pulpit is to glorify the Lord, not to glorify anybody else, right? Like, like so, the preaching of the word is to make God more clearly seen in the in the lives and hearts of men and women, and. So so you're praying the Spirit moves and and transforms people into the image of Jesus the whole time, uh, and if it becomes something other than that, then you you have you have derailed. made it the wrong yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, you've made it the, I, the abomination is the word that came to my mind. But like you you've done the wrong thing. So this is I I, I speak extemporaneously when I preach. Um, I do talk about myself regularly in the pulpit. Um, I, I say it this way. I generally talk about myself in a way that I hope makes it relatable um, to break down the the pedestal that you can get put on. I don't go – I don't use the pul- pulpit as a place to talk about my successes. I use it as a place, if I am going to talk about myself, to talk about my uh, struggles and or failures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do try to, to do that. I think that that is a better, better way to use it um, than to make it about myself <laughs> – yeah. Uh, it, it is in a way illustrating about my life, but I'm going to go. Here's here's how the gugger household tries to do that. Uh, here's where I have failed in doing that. So mm-hmm. so I think a pastor is a it's appropriate to talk about himself when teaching and preaching because it helps the congregation and this is in part depending on size relate to him better. Sure. But if he starts to make himself the hero, I think it's a it's a ridiculous move now you can also though i think i think it's great to use the pulpit and use the wrong, wrong word there uh but i want to brag in a sense on other people yeah i want to build them up and so when i see them doing awesome things i want to say that's awesome uh all sometimes not often but sometimes I, sometimes i'm even going to ask them will you will it be okay if i share this from the stage mm-hmm. uh, and and I do that if I know that those people are they don't want any light shining on them uh so you know often it's a note, please don't or and so i I try to watch that so i i I think you can build others up, never puff yourself up, and always be sure that if anything it's pointing to helping people understand god better um but here here's a maybe a maybe a follow up question Dale what if I'm the hero of my illustration, but I change my name? <laughs>
0: Then, uh, then, then perhaps the uh, perhaps the public adoration that might come towards <laughs> you, you have deflected properly, but you have still built your own heart up in a way that God will know about. Yeah,
1: it's like the Apostle Paul. He's like, well, I know of a guy, yeah, who has gotten caught up into like the third heaven, yeah, and uh, it seemed pretty cool. Uh,
0: I'm not going to tell you his name, but he's a nice guy. Well, it's, as as with, <laughs> like, as with as with many church rules. You can just make a blanket statement that uh, because an apostle said it, uh, just because an apostle said it doesn't mean there's a clear analogy to the way you can say it, you know? Um,
1: yeah. No, hey, hey your, your 3 Dale when you sent them to me, I thought they were great. I think that that's it, 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 it's a true, those are all real concerns. and um, And a pastor who puffs himself up in the pulpit is somebody who doesn't either spend enough time preparing sermons, who has a big ego problem and shouldn't be in the pulpit, uh, and just doesn't know how to how to make the moment about the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I will my one of the preaching the preaching advice that I give to folks is use be you, use your voice, use your gifts, use your style. Um it takes a while to figure that out. And so a younger preacher, I'm gonna be much cooler with them trying to work this out and give correction <laughs> versus an older preacher who might try and and make themselves the hero. I'm gonna put you on the spot. This is a gotcha yeah. question Go for it. here as we finish it out, it has okay. nothing to do with preaching. Have you read Jeff
0: Metters's books? No. But to be but to be fair, I also haven't read our own grandfather's book. So uh you can chalk this up to you can chalk this up to, to callousness on all parts.
1: Well, I don't I think this is a little bit of a non sequitur. I haven't read grandpa's book either, <laughs> but Courtney has. Oh, that's good. So So I've... if that if that helps. Co- Courtney's read it. And, um, yeah, I haven't read Jeff's book either, but if he ever makes it to this end of the podcast, I just want him to know that he does not have your support as an author. And I think that was an important distinction to make in part because you believe that, uh, any, any pastor who writes a book should not be pastoring. If
0: I, if, if I learned anything from this episode, that's what I heard. I think that's a fair summation of everything we said. Um, no, I, I think, uh, I think we've, done, I think we've done enough uh but to Hans, thanks for being a sounding board on this one i think uh I think basically to sum of everything I've said would be uh, uh all of my all of my issues i think come from the same heart issue, which is probably to say it comes from my own heart issue, which is that every every way that uh there are a lot of roads that lead to pride and arrogance, but when you're in a position of public leadership and uh visible leadership, those roads become all the easier to take, and so whereas maybe it's not my place to be worried about. Um, people that aren't me in that regard, I can just say, this: is, were I in that role, these are the things that I would be nervous about. And so I, I can And so yeah. I'll, add, I'll add
1: to that. A, a, a good pastor hears a congregant who says that, this is my take, and, and goes, you're absolutely right. Will you help me? Mm-hmm. Will you help me? Will you, know, will, will you talk to me? Will you give me your feedback on my sermons? Will you give me your feedback on if they write on my writing? Will you help me- Keep this, you know, keep this from happening. Keep me in check, please. Let me know. Um, I think that 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 those are real concerns, and a, and any congregant should have them, uh, even if their pastor has a, a modicum of uh, earthly success in that sense. Um, yeah, call it out appropriately, graciously. And a good pastor doesn't doesn't reject it, but says, "No, thank you so much. Let's let's figure out the best way to do this. That has integrity, that honors the Lord, and allows the church to flourish." So, uh, those are my last words. I want to end with that.
0: That's good, man. I think we're wrapped up here. You got any jokes?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't have. Uh, no. Okay. I, my kids tell jokes sometimes, but not. Yeah. So that's good.
0: That's all right. It's yeah. a great ending. I'll see you later. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you.